American Hammers Radio presents Fortunes Always Hiding. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Always Hiding with the Hammer. I am the curly-headed legend himself, Zach, um, hosting this, being joined by Chris, who is by way of Cleveland, Ohio, and then Johnny from Philly. Guys, what's up? How's it going? I, I want to give you give you guys a chance to introduce yourselves because I was from the American Hammers um, radio podcast with Tex, and now Tim, had, producer Tim, had said, "Zach, you're too good to be on that. We want to give you your own podcast." So he gave me my own podcast. So thank you, Tim. I was totally not expecting that when you texted me saying that we're moving you. I'm like, okay, well then. So, maybe guys, introduce yourselves to the world. Go ahead. All right, guys. How's it going? Uh, my name is Chris Ritzik. Uh, I'm 22 years old. Uh, most of you guys, if you've seen any of uh, the American Hammers uh, uh, episodes with me in it, um, you know, no, I'm, I live up in Erie, PA for uh, grad school. I'm currently uh, home for winter break at the moment, uh, and I'm in central Ohio with uh, and doing matches with the E13 right now. Fantastic. Uh, I am John Jackson. Uh living in the wonderful, beautiful, not grimy or gritty city at all, Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Um, if you, you may hear a delicious Southern accent. That is because I'm originally from North Carolina. Um, so uh, you can luxuriate in that. Um, I uh, try to get to as many uh, uh, West Ham, Philly uh, matches as I can, and we all get down there and um, annoy every other uh, bar goer that we run across. So uh, that's uh, that's me right now. That's always fun to do. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Um, and in case <laughs> and in case you've forgotten who I am, I am Zach. I am from Maryland. I'm north of DC. I try to get as to either the DC Irons down in Fatos or to the um, Maryland Hammers out in Fells Point. Fells Point is lovely. By the way, if you've never been to Baltimore, I highly suggest you go to Fells Point. The area between Fells Point and the stadiums, including the Inter-Harper, is probably the safest part of Baltimore you'll ever be in. And it doesn't matter who you are or what color you are. You, that is the most safest part of Baltimore. And also, Fells Point has fantastic bars. So if you can get a hotel by Fells Point, you can just literally bar crawl and go home really happy. Anyways, brought to you by the beautiful city of Baltimore. <laughs> Visit Baltimore, eat crabs <laughs> with Old Bay, Old Bay, Old Bay. Maryland is known for a few things. Old Bay is one of them. And Jimmy Seafood's pissing off Pete is the other one. <laughs> there you go. All right. So now that we've introduced ourselves to the rest of the world, let's talk about West Ham, Southampton. West Ham somehow pulls it out and wins one nothing, 3-2 and total goals in the back of the net, by the way. Because yeah. I was counting for whatever reason, because that's what you do on Saturday when the game's at 12.30 and not 10 a.m. You have all this extra mental energy. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's nice and being able to sleep in and then go to the match instead. Yes. <laughs> or if you have a kid to get up and actually do a bunch of work and then go to the match, you know, you know, whatever stage of life you're in. Yeah, exactly. Right. For me, I was decorating my Christmas tree, so. There you go. Yeah, so, all right, so West Ham wins, but it was not without 
controversy because, of course, it's West Ham Never. and we cannot do things. We cannot go from point A to point B just in a straight line. We have to go all this stupid, crazy way. It's, it's like Zach Brannigan being in charge of a cruise ship going off course from the path set by the travel company. Yes, I made a future references. Live, live with it, people. Right. Where Antonio missed penalty. Was it a penalty? Or was it not a penalty? Or was it a double penalty? Chris? Uh, yeah, 100% penalty. I, I, I don't think there could be a more Stonewall penalty in, on either of them. You could have called it either way. With that, that kind of one actually made me think that VAR kind of is kind of a sham or it needs improvement because if, if it's not unable to overturn a decision like that, then what's the, what's the use of it? All right. Johnny? I think really this comes down to where you are in the table. I think a top six side gets that penalty every single day. Not wrong there. I will. That is very true. If that was Liverpool, it would be two penalties. They get to take two shots on goal. Um, if you're Manchester United, you know they, they would not get it, and then they would cry about the injustice. You know? <laughs> yeah. Manchester United, we're never going to get that penalty. We're never going to get it. It's a rugby tackle, <laughs> so they're going to say, "Oh, well, you know, I mean, it's fair in rugby." So West Ham, nah, they don't get it. All right, so I want to bring up this point um, because there was two fouls on the play that could have resulted in a penalty. Right. What on earth happens if there are two fouls in the box that result in a penalty? Do do you take them both at the same time? Does one take it than the other? And what happens if one misses? Um, or is it? Do we just say it's a penalty and an indirect free kick? I was I've been scouring through the laws of the game. And trying to find anything about it, and I can't find a single thing. However, I did find a very interesting uh, thing on Wikipedia about a penalty kick, and the from 1890 to 1903, a lot of things resulted in an indirect free kick, not a penalty kick, an indirect free kick. So in 1890, handball, tripping, pushing, holding, kicking a player, jumping at a player, charging from behind, or a technical handling violation by the goalkeeper resulted in an indirect free kick. Charging the goalkeeper and dangerous play were allowed. So then what constituted a penalty kick? Nothing. In 1890, nothing. It wasn't until 1891 when handball, tripping, holding all became um, penalties. Pushing became one in 1893. So I'm sorry for the history lesson, but... <laughs> there, hey, you learn something new every day, so... We've come a very long way since 1893, yeah. thank God. Toilet paper is actually good. In a way, because evidently you can jump into someone's body and push them over in the penalty box, and that's not a penalty if you're wearing claret and blue. So, um, I don't know. It it just seemed really bizarre because they showed the replay a bunch. Commentators talked about what happens with a double penalty. I can't find anything. I can't find... A single instance of a double, uh, two penalties on the same play. I know it's happened in ice hockey. And in ice hockey, if there are two penalties on the same play by the same team, both players go into the box and sit. And it's, it's back to back minor penalties. If the, the, um, the defending, if the, if a non penalized team scores, one of them comes out and it's the coach's choice as to who wants out. But other than. You know, I have to say, I have to jump in here because I think uh, in, in football, in soccer, it's, it's, it's all about the flow of the game. It's all about the entirety of the game. And it's all about, you know, uh, the official, their job really is to make sure that the game 
uh, does not suffer because of the rules. Well, you don't find that, especially in American sports, right? We, we're, 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 we're technocrats. We want every single rule. We'll stop a match, or, you know, for, for three hours so that the two guys can argue about what's right and wrong. <laughs> um, like everyone's a lawyer on the pitch, right? But, but when it comes to, when it comes to English football, it's really about the, the nature of the game itself. And so I think that's too technical, really. We need to think about like there, whatever happened first, that's what happened. You know, and, and really, it's it's not going to be instantaneous. So they're going to call one penalty if there's a penalty, and if there's two or three in, you know, infractions, maybe deal with that later. Maybe give a card if they're if it's that kind of a thing. But I, I just don't think they're gonna they're gonna get so into it like that. Now, I I mean I agree with you guys, but just th- just thinking about other sports, um, indoor soccer. I've seen this in indoor soccer, and it's resulted in blue cards. And for all of you who have no idea about the rules of indoor soccer and the major major arena soccer league. Uh, a blue card is a, was a thing. <laughs> Chris, I'll, uh, Chris, I'll explain a lot more after this, but, yeah, <laughs> but, I, but a blue card represents a two minute penalty. Indoor soccer is like if ice hockey and soccer had a baby together. That's the best way to do it. It's five on five indoors on a felt surface and yeah. you're going back and forth, constantly changing on the fly. Uh, penalty kicks, penalty shots, and you get some old school rules from the original NASL still in it. Right. So yeah. blue card sounded good to me. I was like, ooh, I want a blue card. That sounds so good. <laughs> ooh, bad. The blue card is like something good happened. Yeah. <laughs> to get an extra man for two minutes. <laughs> so if there's a blue card, there's a yellow card, and there's a straight red card. Um, I don't know if two blue cards equals one yellow or two yellows equals a red or what. how the math works. If you get a blue and then you get a yellow, what happens to you? I don't know. I am not an, M- an MASL referee. I've not read the MASL rule book. Um, so I'm not going to say much more about that, but get a chance to watch it. It's fun. It's on you. They're on YouTube. Cool. I'm definitely going to check that out. So Alaire scores. Yeah. Is, is Alaire back? And is he back because we're playing two up front now? Or is he back because we're, he's finally just sick of missing the net completely all the time? Johnny? Okay. Uh, I, I have to say, I think he's back. He looked, he looked completely different. Um, his work rate was higher. And sure, he had, he had a foil to a playoff, uh, right? He had Antonio, who was doing, you know, the hustling of, of, of four players in one body. Um, but I really do think, you know, his movement looked great. Some of the touches and the passes he was, he was, he was getting off were absolutely gorgeous. I mean, and that would be all over match of the day if it was not West Ham, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, and, and, and like I've said before, I think he's a really tall, lanky Firmino. I don't think that he is, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a slightly more mobile Andy Carroll. So, no. I think that we need to play to his strengths, and I think that Pellegrini accidentally did that more so than Pellegrini purposely did that. We can talk about Pellegrini a little bit later, but um, I absolutely think that he's. He's back if, big asterisk, if we played in his strengths. All right, Chris? I, I completely agree with the if we played in his strengths. For me personally, um, I want to believe he's back. Uh, I, my la- uh, the last show that I was on, uh, I was I, I was saying that I was afraid of him, like he was on the verge of becoming a flop. Um, but with, with it, though, it, it is Southampton. So I, I want to see a few a ma- another match or two again because I know we have Crystal Palace coming up and then I don't I can't remember who we have Leicester. 
Lester, if he can if he can have a good showing during those kind of games, or at least to be in the mix, I think he will. But I think that you have to keep uh, Antonio up top with him. I don't think you can go back to the uh, one man up top. I, no. Um, I know we're talking about Pellegrini later, but it kind of ties in. He did say, um, I did hear him, say, or I saw a quote of his in the post game uh, interview saying that. Wow, yeah, I now realize that two up top is the way to go, basically. Like, us fans have been calling out for that for, since day one. If the fans have been able to see that and the manager hasn't been able to, for me, that raises, raises questions. So, this brings me to my next point because and the, have you guys seen the Tifu football uh, video about Alaire and how it was used in Frankfurt? So no. Tifo Football is a YouTube channel. They have a bunch of different things, um, including all about the – they have a thing about the owners, um, goal, gun, gunshots and goalposts, the history of war team, teams that play in war zones and deaths of teams. A lot of Northern Ireland and Irish teams are in there, but it's very fascinating historically. But also um, they do a great thing tactically about different teams. They just put out a thing about Jose Mourinho at Tottenham. And they put out a thing early in the year about Alaire and how to use Alaire and how Alaire was so effective at Frankfurt was because they played a three up front. Yeah. You had, and you, Alaire could be either the center of the right or the left. And they just passed each, passed to each other and just kept feeding each other. And that's why he was so successful in Frankfurt and why he was so, he cost so much to get to West Ham. And the fact that we were just putting one guy up there, it was even at the beginning of the year, go back and listen to some of the earlier American Hammers radio podcasts. I was saying that this is worrisome. I wouldn't, I would love, I would have loved to have had Chicharito right behind him. And if, and after we sold Chicharito, I said, let's bring back Andre, Andre Ayo. He's at Swansea. He's being underutilized. He's not being used correctly. What? I forgot he was even even still at Swansea. Well, he so he went to uh, Fenerbahce, then he on yeah. loan, then he came back. Okay, okay. But he's being underutilized at Swansea, and Swansea is a championship team. We could get him on loan for almost next to nothing, and yeah. we could if and we could keep him as a backup in case Antonio goes down. Because other than Antonio being up there, Yarmolenko is the only other guy that I could think being up there. And Anderson doesn't. Anderson's more of a winger, and not necessarily. Or left, I really don't see him being used, utilized that way. And Noble just is too old, and Rice is not. That's not Rice. Snodgrass maybe, but that would be more of a FA Cup sort of yeah. situation. I would want to try that. So, what made Pellegrini crack? Honestly, was it us just yelling and screaming into the void about it? Did he finally listen? I forced to. <laughs> I what I what I'm what I kind of think happened with it is. He knew it was his last match, even before, uh, or his last chance, even before the match. He said, if I, if I don't win this game, I might not have a job come Monday. And I honestly think he just said, you know what? I'm going to try something different. I, nothing's worked thus far. Let me just throw, I think it was completely accidental. I don't think he meant, I don't think he knew that it would have the success that it did. I think it was just chucking at something at the wall and hoping that it stuck. And you know what? It stuck. It worked. And I, to be quite honest, I I liked it. I thought there was a lot of promise in there, but I really would like to see the wingers push up a little bit more, especially when we're attacking and to try and converge at the points of the box and try to see if they can help out and get a, maybe get a cross in, maybe fight a defender for a ball so it doesn't get cleared out. 
And who knows? Maybe we can get some goal mouth scrambles. And you know, I, I don't think it was necessarily set up to be just a straight up four four two. Um, when I first saw the the team sheet and when they all came out, I thought it was a four uh, four five one again with Antonio a little bit like basically playing the attacking midfielder. Um, but Antonio has zero positional sense in his body, which God <laughs> love it. I mean, just play wherever the hell you want. Um, and so what does he do? He just charges straight up. So he ends up being right beside Allaire the whole time anyway, right? So it doesn't really matter. It ends up being a 4-4-2. Um, and and then, then you've already got these guys who are, you know, you've got four nails on the left. Uh, and he naturally, because he, he runs more than Anderson, right? He actually right. puts more effort out there on the pitch. So he pushed back and then went further up again. And so he's running up and down the wing like a traditional left winger and not an inside um, forward, which is what Anderson's supposed to be, which is pushed farther up. And then you've got the same thing on the other side with Snodgrass. So I feel like we we kind of played a 4 4 I don't. I don't necessarily feel that that was the, the exact instructions. I don't think we said, let's look back 30 years ago, the way football used to be played, and just go for it like that. You know, two banks of four and then two strikers up top. Um, I, but, you know, uh, I mean, obviously I could be wrong, but that's the way it looked, looked like to me. Well, in, well, it's funny because some, some sheets that I saw had it a 4-5-1, some sheets I saw had a 4-4-2, and I, I, I want to say well, or one, one. Yeah. So, but it's Michael Antonio. He's Michael Antonio. He plays where he wants. He plays where he wants. He plays where he wants. He's Michael Antonio. He plays where he wants. Coming soon to the London stadium. <laughs> all, of us, all of us remember when Antonio was right back. Oh my God, please. Sometimes he was a striker. Do you remember that? <laughs> well, he'd be up there like playing with the striker. We'd be like, well, who's in the, and the answer was there was no one back. <laughs> no, it worked. So there was a point in the game where Antonio went all the way back into the box and he was well beyond the goal box. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Soccer 101, four should not be in your own box unless you're down two men and it's, and they send everyone up and it's a 90 plus five of well, a 90, of 90 plus six. Or unless you're Andy Carroll and you're essentially a center back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> In which case, like, putting him on at the end of the match, everyone was like, oh, maybe he can go cause some havoc in the opposite team's box. And I was like, no, no, no. Maybe he can head away corners and stuff in our box. That's what he's really good at. So yes. maybe he'll do that. And, yes, I do have an Andy Carroll jersey. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw a guy in an Andy Carroll Liverpool jersey once. At, I was at a bacon and beer festival yet in Queens. Um, and I told the guy he's better at West Ham and walked away. <laughs> He was laughing his head off when he, after I said that. Comment is not as well, but you know one of the things about Liverpool supporters that I that I do admire is one of like like James Milner could well he's a bad example because he would never. This is like the nicest shit to be on the planet. But like uh, Mohammed, uh, no, I'm not going to walk. That's a landmine too. One of their players could walk up and shoot somebody in the street, and Liverpool supporters would be like, "Oh, he didn't mean it." No, no, he like. You know, I mean, really deep down, he's a good guy. And I feel like he's, I feel like people are going to come down too hard. You understand where he's from. You know, like, I mean, all this stuff would come out. Where West Ham fans, like, you know, we could see somebody like trip and be like, well, he deserves to fall on his face. Look at him. You know, like we turn on our own, our, our own players, like, like the drop of the hat where they will defend, like with, with the Suarez thing, right? He's like biting people and stuff, spitting. And they're just like, oh, he's misunderstood. That's just because he's scoring goals for him. But whatever. They're loyal to their players. 
It reminds me of the IT crowd episode about West Ham. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's kicked the ball. We. That was a, that, by the way, that was the first ever IT crowd episode I've ever I ever watched, and that was very funny. So I'm a fan of this. Sh- Brilliant show. It's a great show. I'm I'm glad it's on Netflix. So yeah. All right. Um. Now let's go towards the end of the game. Martin goes down, and after he kicks another goal kick, goes down the exact same way Fabianski did. Mm. Do we need to start having defenders start doing it like it's high school uh, soccer again? I mean, I, this is the second goaltender that we've had go down in this situation in the past Cal in the past, what three months? Six months. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just kicking a routine ball. Like, I mean, it, n- nothing crazy happening. And, uh, you know, I know they're both older, right? So, I mean, you know, as you get, you know, in your, in your, you know, early to mid thirties, you start having, uh, some strains and stuff like that. And so, but again, that's on the recruitment team. Right? So that's, uh, that's their fault. Um, but still, I mean, that's freakish. And I mean, I really don't understand what our, what our, what our physios are doing if, if, if we're having muscle injuries like that. I, and I think whatever, with that too, I think everyone, at, at least when I, at the bar I was at with the E13, I, everyone thought that it was just all him going down to waste some more time, like faking the injury. And then he stayed down. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. But then you see the replay and he, and he, like, he grabs and he looks over and immediately like the hand up and like goes on the ground. And yeah. that's when I was just like, oh man, come on. And, and I was already sweating by that point in the match anyway because we put. Oh my God! Our substitutes made us look so terrible. Like Sanchez was literally falling over the ball. I mean, unbelievable, man. I I do I don't think I ever want to see Sanchez back on the pitch whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> somebody, somebody on knees up. Mother Brown said, "You know, he's got the easiest job in the world. Come on for ten minutes and just make a couple tackles and then pass a sideways ball." And he and, and he's like finding that impossible. And he he nearly let in a uh, chance on goal. Yeah. I I I that late in the game, I everyone was like, okay, I think we got this. I'm like, I do not feel comfortable in this at all. I I thought I thought we were going to let one through. I thought it was going to be the West Ham way and just one one draw. What happens to Pellegrini at that point? If, so you know, everything's a game of inches, obviously. But I mean, if you. Let's say we give uh, Southampton a few inches and a few key moments, and Danny Ings has a freaking hat trick. I mean, I mean, really? That's and, and that would be the West Ham way, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I I think they said pregame too that Danny Ings had never scored against West Ham before, and I'm like, oh, in our most critical match, here comes a hat trick. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, and here uh, we did. I was at the end of that match. In fact, I was like, man, I wish we got Danny Ings. <laughs> <laughs> I think Pellegrini should though should pay that uh, goalpost. <laughs> the goalpost has often been our most valuable player. He's yeah. 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 the year candidate. Yeah, unfortunately, it's been happens way too often, and it's we need to do something about it because it's kind of frustrating when they want to give a player the match and it's for an inanimate object. He can't collect the money, the monetary award. He can't collect the ball. Yeah. Well, so Chris made a point earlier, uh, you know, about how I was like, well, yeah, is, is all there back? Well, we were playing Southampton, which, I mean, it's a little harsh, but not real harsh because, uh, even the Southampton fans were saying, um, like, look at, look at what the goal all air scored. Yeah. is marking the striker and they have like nine players, nine Southampton players are in the box and there's no one marking all air, the striker. 
right? They're all just like either watching the ball or chasing the ball like kids. Um, so, you know, but, but for, you know, for the same, the same point, uh, you know, like we keep saying at the end of the match, they really could have come back and, and, and we, we got lucky a few times. I mean, they, yeah. they missed, they missed some really easy chances. Um, but I think quite honest, the Antonio, like the, if we got, if the Antonio goal counted, this would have been a completely different game and the whole tactical formation would have changed. We would have gone back more defensively. Yes, true. Than what, than what we would have, than what we did. But at the same time, it didn't because they are is being, oh well, but it's so, just. So, so, they changed the handball ruler, right? Well, yeah, that's something that needs to be talked about at the, at the laws of the game conference come end of the season. But that's a story for another time right, so because this is not the end of the year. Anytime the ball hits an attacker's hand, period. Now they're calling it. So right. it did hit in his hand. It's stupid. It was up against his it's body. Inad- it's inadvertent. It's inadvertent. It, it did not go it, any it further. But now they're saying intent has nothing to do with. It. Which so, doesn't make it make any sense to me. Uh, it, you know, that's because it's the way the game has been always. And so, you know, there's a change. Uh, but by the letter of the law, I think it, it is. Uh, but what did it, so Antonio um, posted this himself and he said, uh, if it, he said, uh, if it weren't for my, if I had no arms, I'd have three goals in four games. Yes. What talk about what a goal it was. It was absolutely it was brilliant. It was, oh my God, it was, it was gorgeous. It was goal of the year candidate, to be quite honest. It was just that damn good. Powers through, knocks a few people over, uh, you know, just burning. Leaves a vapor trail, leaves a hole, hole in the back of the net that's just oh, burning. Venom. I mean, yeah. It, it was, that was an absolute rocket. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, and it's one of those things where you feel like it, it, it deserved to be a goal. Talk about letter of the law, right? And talk yeah. about the game itself. I mean, you know, that was so technical that it touched and brushed his hand. But again, you know what? If that had happened and Danny Ings had done that and hit his hand, we'd be saying the same thing. Oh, no, it actually, by the letter of the law, it's, you know, it's, it's so. Yeah. And that's one of the unfortunate things about sports. It can go either, you can flip flop it to fit your needs as well. Yep. All right. So let's go back to Martin for a second. Because if Martin is out injured, like Johnny says he is, um, Johnny read a report on Twitter that he is out at least for a while. He's a muscle strain, correct? Uh, that, that's what I saw. Now, of course, I can't verify because I, I, I did a search and I can't find it again. But but I did see it. If you say it's wrong, blame Twitter. If you say it's right, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Adrian Wojnarowski, Johnny Wojnarowski, everybody. <laughs> way of social media. Exactly. All right, but that being said, is Fabianski healthy? Because I know this was a game that calendars for him to come disappointed. I wanted to see him again, but he didn't. Moving so then we have um so then our next logical step would be Roberto. Roberto has not won a single game in what in England. And he's gone at the he's gone January one and nobody wants him here. And so that brings me to this point. Do we go to the U twenty three side and get Joseph Anong. Anang A N A N G. I think it's a name. I'm going to call it a name. All right, so he's 19 years old, English keeper, um, 13 matches played. West Ham, under 23s, has only had one loss all season, by the way. And that was in a cup match against 
not an English opponent, which is good. There's Wolfsburg too in the Premier League International Cup. So, and by the way, they're second. They're in second place in Group B above Brighton and Valencia B. So that's that's nothing to shake your nose out. It's yeah. actually quite impressive. So. But that leads me to the question. Do we go down and bring up this 19-year-old kid and give him his first ever Premier League start, like we do with Martin? Or do we go with is not a failure? Or do we do, uh, because we have two games in three days, which, by the way, is stupid. We need to shoot the scheduler. This cannot be happening. You cannot be expected to play full. You cannot be expected I don't think to- I realize. Yeah, the... For whatever reason, they moved it, and also had not, having the, not having the Liverpool match on the 21st doesn't help. You cannot be expected to have a game a game, um, and then play another game two days later and play 90 minutes each day. You just can't. You, you're running yourself tight, ragged. It's, it's, it's England and, and their stupid holiday scheduling and, like, the Christmas. Like, as soon as you get to December, um, it, it becomes ridiculous. And all the foreign managers that come to England are like, this is idiotic. The rest of Europe takes a freaking break, and we're playing like five matches in two weeks. You know, and uh, the reason too why there not as many English clubs have won um, European trophies because they're just so tired. Well, and also because you have the EFL Cup, you have the FA Cup, you have that other cup that no one seems to care about, and then you have the Premier League, and then if you ha- you play in Europe, that's. That's five competitions. You need to field at least three teams. To be fair, uh, an English team did win the Champions League last year. That is very true. Another English team. Yeah, some. That's very, that's very true, but it's the first one. It was the first one in a while. First time I've had a long time. No, you're, you're, I'd say generally you're right. I'm just being uh, a conjecture. I think no, Chelsea, no, no, you're good, you're good. I think Chelsea was the last one in 2012. Yeah. yeah I think so. At least the last uh, championship. Yeah. I mean, not last year, but the year before Liverpool was in the final against Real Madrid. But Yeah, yeah but still, you're running yourself ragged playing these cup matches that don't bring in that, that much monetarily. Sure, for yeah. their lower division teams, it brings in a ton of money for them. TV exposure, if they make an upset, it's huge local news, it's huge national news, it's to be huge European news. But when you're a big Premier League team, they just say, I really kind of wish they would get the option to to say we're not going to participate in this cup because we don't want to. We want to rest our players. Um, and also, I believe next year is the year that they're doing the uh, the break in January. Yeah, I think we're finally starting it. Yeah, because Germany has a huge break. Uh, France has a two-week break. Um it has one in Italy, too, I believe. Yeah, and so it's just – it's. I mean, if I'm an English player, I'm like, I need some time off. I need to rest myself. Yeah, and I mean, there's no international weekends to give you to pace yourself out. And even if you do get called up, you're still running run ragged. And then yeah. this year's a European Championship year. If you qualify, you're going to have a very short summer, which is part which was part of the whole Payet problem. But I'm not going to get into that. That's going to be a book that's going to come out by somebody later about his 18 months here at West Ham, and it's not going to be. It's going to be very ugly. Best year and a half of his career. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> <laughs> I, but anyway, so what do you guys think? Do we go with, do we go with Anang? Do we go with Roberto? Do we see if Fabianski is healthy? Do we platoon the two of them or what? Chris? 
So for me, um, I'm going to be straight up. If Fabianski isn't ready, if we don't want to risk him or if something happens, we either need to bring up Anang or we need to just put someone else in goal. No, don't even – no Roberto. No. <sighs> I, I think an outfield player would perform better for <laughs> I'm sorry, but Cosman Monty plays for Ludgretz. By the no. way, Co- if you look at- back. What? Come on, Lansbury, go home, baby. <laughs> you remember Lansbury putting those gloves on in the championship? It was glorious. Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker had to do that, too, just recently. Uh, Jenkinson did it for us, too. From that right back from Arsenal, never. Also, Bobby Moore did it way back when. Oh, I don't know. All right. Yeah, he. I got into this whole discussion on. So I'm gonna. I'm. I moderate a Facebook group called the Irons West Ham United Forum. Look it up. Um, join the group. It's a fun group. Uh, and we. Got, I got talking about position players playing goalie, and someone said um, that Bobby Moore did. It, it was in some cup game in the '60s, and I'm like, wait, what? And so I went digging, and I found the picture of Bobby Moore in that attempting to block a penalty. The ball went by him, but he made a very concise effort, and he tried. He he tried his heart out to get to give West Ham the win, and it just didn't happen. He let in two goals, and the game was over. But he tried so damn hard, and got to give the man a lot of credit because that's not an easy thing to do, especially in the cold. No, no it's not. Um, to, to answer the point, um, I'm definitely going to say Penang in, man. I mean, it's, it, it'd be different if we were, if we had Man City next, right? If we had Liverpool next, don't do that to the poor kid, right? Don't put him in there and let him get butchered and us, you know, lose. It, you know, it'd be 6 0. Yeah. And his confidence would be absolutely destroyed. Uh, I still think we're going to lose to Crystal Palace. Um, I think that's a, and that's a separate issue. I don't think goalkeeping is the issue there, but. Um, but I think it'll be a good test for him. Um, he'll come in. He's used to dealing with players that have pace, that play on the counterattack. I mean, you see that a lot in the, in the young game. So um, I think, you know, that's not – but that's not stepping up seven different levels, right? That's that, – I think that's that, – that would be a decent introduction. Uh, Crystal Palace are good, but they're not – like I said, they're not Liverpool. So um, I say bring him up. Um, I, I don't – I really don't think Roberto is going to play again. Um, I mean – Everything that I've heard coming out of the club is they're trying to move him on already. Yeah, um, yeah, and, 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 and you know, Pellegrini and him are friends. Lucios and him are friends. They're all mates. So um, I think that they're all embarrassed for him. And I mean, if it was my friend, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want him to get out there again in front of our in front of our fans. I'm no, not worried about anybody else. Our fans. They're gonna. They're, they were gonna crucify him. So um, I'd want to move him on. Go play in some, you know, Division Two side in Spain. And you know, drink sangria and relax, dude. Going back to a point, I actually think I actually honestly think that he could be playing in Eastern Europe uh, somewhere, whether it be in Belarus or Ukraine or somewhere. But he's gonna he's gonna bounce back. He's gonna end up doing okay for himself in the Eastern European leagues or the Spanish second division. But he's not going. I don't see the only way I see him ever coming back to England is if he's ever if the team that he's on qualifies for the Europa League. And they play. They play an English team. That's it. But uh, really quickly, Johnny, going back to a point you you were talking about earlier uh, with the scouting side or, or the scouts of West Ham with Martin and finding these older keepers uh, with Roberto. I I still one thing I still just can't get over from something that came out earlier this year was that he Roberto was the first choice yeah. over Labianski. Yeah. So yeah, right. just like. 
how, how are these people still employed? <laughs> Man, I mean, you know. So, go, go, go. Uh, yeah, so a lot of that, in my opinion, has to be, it has to be, I scratch, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. He yeah. saw him, he liked him. He play, he's played Champions League football before with Olympiacos, but at the same time, the Greek league is not the best league in the world. And it's, it's apples to bananas to oranges. It's not like you're comparing, comparing a brown banana to a spotted banana to a green banana. Well, I, I mean, I think that, the idea behind this was, oh well, let's bring in our friend who is, who we know is okay, and and more importantly, he won't. So that they're from their perspective, right? Because they're all playing the game like it was five years ago, right? Yes. I mean that's one of the bigger issues. Pellegrini is still playing the game like it was five years ago, right? Uh, you know, he he thinks he can play the exact same system. He thinks that he can he can train and coach the same way. And clearly, the game has passed him by. I did not know that. I was a huge fan of his when he came in. I was still a big fan of his at the beginning of this year, um, beginning of this season. <clears throat> so, I think that um, you know, I, I was I was happy with Husios even. But I think they they've made these decisions that they think make a lot of sense on paper. I think they're thinking like, well, the we, we might not have the budget to do things like bring in Felipe Anderson and bring in Allaire and bring in a 10, 15 million pound goalkeeper, right? And and we know that yeah. will not spend money on a center back. He won't spend money on a fullback. He won't spend money on a center midfielder. He won't spend money. In fact, he'll never spend money on a goalkeeper. So the only thing he spends money on are wingers and strikers. So with all the money yeah. there... Let's try to be smart and about the budget for these other positions. And lo and behold, it backfired. But it has to be on them. I mean, like we can have a whole conversation about how David Sullivan makes mistakes and how everyone hates him. I mean, he's up. Mother Brown has had a big thing. Who is to blame? A big poll. Who is to blame for uh, the situation at West Ham right now? And the majority of people said it was still uh, Sullivan and Gold. But I think you have to point some of the blame to Husios and to Pellegrini. There's, they, they were, we finally had someone who had power over who was being brought in and they blown it in some spectacular ways, but none more than the goalkeeping situation. Yep. All right. So this brings me to our next um, point. Pellegrini, so Pellegrini's one, he saved his job until for a little bit. Sure. All right. So we have Crystal Palace coming up. That's their next game. That's the Boxing Day match. And that is at Selhurst Park. And then we have Leicester at, at the London Stadium. Then we have Bournemouth in 2020 at the London Stadium. Then we have the FA Cup of Gillen, Gillingham? Gilling? I think it's Gillingham. Gillingham? I think it's Gillingham, yeah. All right, so those are our next four matches. So how much longer do you think do you, would you give Pellegrini? Because Crystal Palace, that's going to be tough, but I honestly see could see us squeaking out a point. Uh, Leicester... That's going to be very tough considering how well they're playing. That I don't think we have a chance of winning. Even if Fabian's, if even if everyone's healthy, I still don't see us winning that. Maybe getting a goal that'd be nice. Then we have Bournemouth. Bournemouth is always a tough match. That always, for whatever reason, ends in a tie, even though it shouldn't be. Uh, and then the FA Cup match, and that should be a win. But knowing us, it may not be. So we have four. He has four critical games ahead. What do you do, Johnny? Well, I I think that. I think this is the failure of you have one match to save your your job. That is the stupidest, 
leadership decision you could ever do. Make a decision and pull the trigger one way or the other. Either you say, I'm backing you, let's get to the transfer window, you can lose every single match, but I believe in what you're trying to do, uh, let's, let's get there, or say, look, you lost five matches in a row, we haven't lost in, what, eight matches or something like that, um, you know. Two matches in September or October, I think. So clearly what you've done and what you've, what you've said you were going to do is not working. We've paid you more than we've ever paid a manager. we got a director of football that you wanted. We've given you the world on a plate, and you've not delivered. In fact, you're no different than the bad spells under Sam Allardyce. You're no different than – I mean, this is basically uh, Gio Franco Zola all over again. So oh my God. why don't we just go ahead and say what's done is done. You winning one match is not going to change the situation we're in. This is just, we're trying to save some money. We're being lazy. That's what's going on. So the thing that I have with it, I have two, I have two points. First of all, why make that public to begin with? If this is his last, like he has one match. Like that's the issue with the transparency, like the transparency of this club. There's too much information that gets out with yep. regards to that. Second of all, it, like you were saying, does he, now that he's won this one match, He's won two matches in months. Does he get one match? Or is it next ma- next loss he's out? Is it a month? Is it this season? I, it, there's no prerequisite, not prerequisite, but there's not an, a solution. And if it is to the point where it's like, okay, the next match you lose, why are you keeping him around then? You're at the end of the rope. Just cut it. Okay, like, so, there's no way. There's, so, there's no way to rebuild that faith and trust. So... The reason why the first off, the reason why I believe a lot of stuff gets leaked from us is because of X and yeah. say what you want about him. But having uh, somebody to just constantly leak stuff like that to the fans and to the media is not a good thing at all. Well, it's, it's X and Claret and Hugh. Like. Well, b- between the two of them, it's not the best. It's n- definitely not the best. A lot of this needs to be private. Yes. But th- to me, this signals that the board is split. The board, half the board says, let's get. Let's cut our losses now, pay a severance package, and be done with him, find somebody new to come in. And the other half of it is, eh, I still like him. I still think that he – I still like his three-year plan. I still think that it's the best thing for us going forward. And so it's a 50-50 shot. And the win might have put pushed more people to the keep Pellegrini than the thing of the yeah. cut Pellegrini side. I, I think with it too, though, uh, the longer we wait – like Ancelotti was up on the table. And he went for, he's going to Everton for less money than we're paying Pellegrini right now. And you still have, it's only like three and a half million pounds that right. a year. Um, but you still have, I, I know we're not going to get him, but just for example, Pochettino, uh, you have, um, Kovac, uh, Eddie Howe's interested, Sean Dyke's interested. The longer you wait, the less interested they become because the worse, the more dire the situation becomes. And I think that's actually what might be why the board is waiting so long. So that way they can bring in one of these cheap managers like David Moyes, because please God, no, no, I'd I'd rather take, I'd rather take a melon baller to my eyeballs and be blind for the rest of my life. The cheap option, because now (laughs) that we're going to, pay Pellegrini all this money to get him out, they're going to have to compensate by bringing in someone cheap. And that's the way I see going. All about saving money, man. Yeah. And that, and it, that's the thing. Uh, and that's the thing that drives me crazy is that it, this isn't what we were promised whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, with 
Uh, and honestly, too, I, I, I give him one match. If he draws or loses against Crystal Palace, get him out. Because by then, too, you still have somewhat of a hope. You're not too dire. And potentially, if you can get Eddie Howen, uh, or Howen, Dijin, Kovacin, they still have some time. They get time to see their, uh, the new team that they have and then go immediately into the January transfer window and bring in players they want. Well, so uh, I, I, supposedly we are looking to bring players in, which baffles me. I mean, you know, but it's still just a rumor. I mean, yeah. it's probably BS, but, um, you know, it, I really do think that it would be nice to bring in some players, but I'd rather you take your January transfer budget and spend it on a severance package and spend it on a new coaching setup. I mean, it's if, if you look at how much they make compared to how much players make, it's 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 not really that big of a deal, you know. You know, so you know, it's we're going to talk about this next podcast because we're running out of time. But we need to talk about January. What we want January. What we want Santa to bring us come January. And again, this part of this to me goes back to August and the fact that the transfer window closed before the opening match and not August 31st, like it is in the rest of the rest of Europe. To me, that's mind boggling. The fact that you're cutting out those almost 20 days to possibly get somebody in case somebody goes down injured. I mean, what do you, why, why do that? That you're stifling yourself. To be fair with that, though, I, I, I do think, if I remember correctly, I could be completely wrong on it, but I believe that they've actually now voted to reverse that. So next year, they're going back to it ending the 31st. I could be wrong, but I think I think I remember saying that. I'm gonna do some- there are managers like Sam Allardyce who said, we don't need a January transfer window at all. So and he's wrong. Dead wrong. We should just go to the free agency system that they have in American sports. Let them trade players. <laughs> it's so confusing. Like I never understand. Like in like in, in in football, they're still like cutting people in the middle. Of, you know, like, like they'll, they'll have a bad game and they'll cut them, and then they're still like bringing people on board. And I never know who plays for who. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, hey, it's but, better than it's better than Major League Baseball, and better than oh, they cut player X, and he's now eligible for a Rule Five draft, and now they have signed player X for the Rule Three B draft. What the hell is this? What the eight, hell? There are 18 people in the United States that I've, I, how baseball works. Okay? So, yeah, and, I mean, like... And, and five of them are Tim Kirchin. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> And on that note, this has been Always Hiding with the Hammer. This is the first episode of hopefully many to come. Uh, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Lee, for giving us this platform to do this. Um, for Chris and Johnny, I'm Zach. See you guys next week where we talk about two matches and three games. What fun. Somebody shoot the schedule for the love of God. This has been an American Hammers radio production on AmericanHammersTV.us. <laughs>